righty, here we are. It is episode 22. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live with Jason Martinez. We're going to have Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network join us in just a moment. We're going to preview Flyers Pens, talk through a few topics of discussion uh, in advance of this game coming up at 5.30 today, Black Friday tradition at Wells Fargo Center. They're opening up actually soon for USA versus England World Cup matchup, which is awesome. Hopefully a lot of people get down there. $5 beers, that'll bring them down. Um, let me tell you about our sponsors real quick. Bet Parks, speaking of that USA-England matchup, you want to wager on it? <laughs> Download the Bet Parks app. Perfect opportunity to do so. Easy to use, easy to navigate. If you've never gotten in on the betting, well, it's legal in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So grab it, check it out. Just go little tiny bets at first. Figure it out. Figure out what you like to do. Player performances, same game parlays, live in-game betting, first to score, exact score, all kinds of different stuff. And you get in on it, but the normal stuff too, you know, props parlays, futures, teasers, all that stuff. They're straight bets. You can get in on all of it and check it out because right now all Bet Parks users can use the promo code JASON750, J-A-S-O-N-750. That'll get you that risk-free bet up to $750. That's for new and existing users. And terms and conditions do apply. So download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, this time of year is a great time to visit Conquerville Subaru, a beautiful dealership, great people that actually care. Uh, why do they care? Well, how do I know they care? Their work over the years has been unparalleled. I bought my first car there in 1989, and it's not just some saying, it's a fact. The work they've done and continue to do in the community, it's unparalleled. And, you know, They were the first Subaru Nation Love Promise Dealer of the Year winner back in 2015. And right now, it's the Subaru Share the Love event. It's going on all the way up through January 3rd. And here's the deal. Subaru is going to donate $250 for every new car sold to one of five charities. And you get to pick either the ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks, and Conquerville's hometown charity, which is the Namor's Children's Hospital of Delaware. All great causes. And it's a great time to visit their beautiful showroom of Route 202 in Glen Mills, just in time for the holiday season. You can check out the certified pre-owned inventory and a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. And it's more than just a dealership. Great service department. Free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com and uh, check out the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. It is beautiful. And remember, Concordville cares. Let's get to them right now. You, uh, Well, I don't know if you do hear them. If you hear them on the Penguins Radio Network, it's Brian Metzer. He's the host of the Penguins Radio Network. Does some writing as well. And he joins us right now for his second appearance on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. What's going on, Brian? How you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me back, Jason. It's awesome to catch up with you. And I got to say, it's almost as if you you have a sponsor that that hits home with me. I my non hockey life. I am the senior director of home and community based programs for a nonprofit here in Pittsburgh. We awesome. have a Meals on Wheels program and a senior center, and we are doing this. We participate in the Share the Love every year, and. Um, do some different things for that. So it's pretty cool. You had that as your sponsor through your Subaru dealership. So oh, that's uh, awesome. pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And we're in PA. So that anything you do to help the, the dealership Jason just mentioned will help us as a Pennsylvania based meals on wheels program. So thank you, my friend. Ah, that's fantastic. Did you have a good, <laughs> did you have a good holiday? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know, we got together with some family, smoked a couple Turkey breasts on the Traeger grill. How about you? My, I went to my, we didn't have it at my house this year, which was fantastic because I didn't Good. have to do all that prepping. You know, you clean the entire house to get it ready, yeah. and then you've got to clean the entire house when the meal's <laughs> done, and then you got to clean the entire house when everybody gets their butt out of your house. So that's exactly right. Yeah you, yeah, you prepare and prep and do all of this, and then you prepare and prep to go back to life. 
Yeah, my brother-in-law uh, hosted it, and he bought a new house recently in August and got all this land. We put the dogs out in the backyard, and he deep-fried the turkey and also made beef wellington. It was phenomenal. Wow, that sounds yeah. tremendous. Yeah, great work by him. And he's actually a Penguin fan because he's out from West- – my in-laws are all from Western Pennsylvania. Good so man. The- it sounds like a good man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been giving him crap for years, but he's giving me more. So um, <laughs> um, let, let's talk about – the Penguins real quick before we get to today's game in this season, you know, the Penguins, I mentioned this on my Flyers daily podcast that went out today. They're the oldest team in the NHL, 29 point, I think eight, seven average years of age. You know, they re-sign Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang and, you know, trying to keep the window open. I and mean, I think Brian, when you have generational players like Sidney Crosby, the, the desire to keep the window open is more prudent because you have that generational player. You know, do they look like a team that's aging to you in any way? Um, when they started the season, I would have said no, but they were playing teams like the Coyotes, even though they played the Lightning, too, and looked pretty darn good against them. Um, but for me, I, I didn't think they looked old early. Maybe during that seven-game winless stretch, they looked pretty pretty poor. But now they've kind of rounded a corner again with their, what, 5-1-1 one, and one stretch that they're riding right now. And they – I don't know if it was just a matter of finding the right mix on the ice, but I know that – I mean, put it this way, Jason – Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are the two leading scorers and doing they're over a point a game players each. So I think that that speaks to the fact that they haven't aged out per se. Maybe people, and the thing was, we weren't worried about Chris Letang, but he was the guy who took a little bit longer to get going this year. And he's probably in better shape than any player in the league. So that was kind of interesting to watch, but overall I would say they don't appear to be old. They just at times maybe appear to be a little slower than some of the teams that they've played, because as we know, the league has really, over the last, you know, decade almost kind of gone that direction with getting faster, smaller uh, guys that can buzz around uh, the Montreal Canadians with guys like Cole Caulfield gave them headaches, skating all over the ice and creating openings for themselves. But, but overall, I would say they still look very much like the Pittsburgh Penguins, albeit a little bit slower than when Mike Sullivan first arrived here. You know, it's pretty crazy. Crosby, it seems like an eternity that he's been in the league. Why? Because it has been. <laughs> he, he's no, so beyond Sid the Kid. I mean, he's 35 years of age at this point, and he's played over 1,100 games. Yeah. But, Brad, can you explain how good he's been this year? I mean, he's got 10 goals, 17 assists in 20 games, 27 points, still shouldering over 20 minutes of ice time. And he just doesn't seem like he's slowing down at all. He may not be as dynamic as he once was. But where he lacks maybe in physical dynamic play, he makes up for easily in the way he approaches the game from a mental standpoint. I think you're right about that. I mean, he just still sees everything two steps ahead of everybody else on the ice. And when you have a guy like that, he's always going to know where to be. He, he has a knack for getting to rebounds. He has a knack for little bounce plays with the puck and just doing some little things that are that are. I don't know. A lot of guys are incapable of doing. And the funny thing is he had a stretch in October where he went three points without a game. And you would have thought the world was ending. He's washed up. Get him out of here. Sid doesn't have it anymore. (laughs) And then lo and behold, uh, he starts picking up the pace again. They went on a three game road trip in which he had 10 points and put himself on a pace of for like 116 points this year. There are not many 35 year olds that are breaking the three digit mark in the NHL. And he's only eight behind Connor McDavid now in the scoring race overall. So I just think that he still has that magical effect of seeing the ice. He's healthy first and foremost. I mean, that's one of the biggest things because that the injuries he had in his career really almost derailed his entire existence in the NHL. 
but knock on wood, he's in pretty good shape with, with those over the last five, six years here. And this is his fastest start since I forget the year that they mentioned, maybe 2012 uh, that he got off and running uh, to this kind of point total. So he just, he just has uh, the nice running mate with Jake Gensel too, which I don't want to discount that because I think Jake helps Sid just as much as Sid helps him because yeah. he is, he has a knack of knowing where to go to score goals. And whenever Brian Rust faltered a little bit on the line, they threw Ricard Raquel up there and him, it, it almost has added a different dynamic to Sid's line. And he is such a smart two way player that it allows Sid and Jake to go out and do their thing and not focus so much on having to get back because as you may have witnessed, when Rusty was up there, they had a really wretched stretch with their plus minus. They were on the ice for four, I think four and five, actually five goals in one game. All of them were on. Sid just happened to score one night. So his plus minus was only a minus four. Not that that's the be all end all, but when you watch their defensive coverage, it was really rough. And I think Raquel helped that. So um, Sid is still very much Sidney Crosby and it's been a pleasure to cover him this year. And he is really maybe putting together one of the the finest years of a player that age we'll see how it ends but for right now through a quarter of the season he's looking pretty darn good you know that's the one thing in philadelphia right now they lack high-end talent the flyers and they're looking at this draft in 2022 and seeing guys like connor bedard and you got uh-huh. dreams of bedard around the holiday season dancing in your head or fantilli or Michoff, all those guys um, let me ask does, does sid mention anything about playing against the flyers over the, the last bit you know i mean he's got 80 games against the Flyers, got 51 goals, 69 assists, 120 <laughs> points. The only team that he's scored more against is the New York Islanders, yep. where he's got 128 points. But what is it about Crosby and playing against the Flyers where, I mean, he ratchets it up for every game because he's just such a pro and a worker, but against the Flyers, he just seems to go to a, even another level. I think he relishes playing against them just because, you know, the, the Crosby sucks chance and the booze and everything like that. And usually if you hear Crosby sucks during a Penguins Flyers game, it usually means Sid is doing something good. So, yeah. so that's a lot of fun. And um, I know if you take it back to 2012, that really ugly playoff series, I know the Flyers came out on top, but it wasn't very well played for either team. I mean, it got ugly. There were, there wasn't very much defense. There were a lot of goals. There was a lot of gloves being dropped and all of this. And that's probably the one and only time where Sid went above board with saying, I don't like them. (laughs) And it was, it turned really ugly in recent years. He's asked about it. And he, you know, he always says that it makes comments that, you know, that brings out the best in the Penguins and vice versa. And it's no matter who's in the, in the lineups, I think it still it makes for a very entertaining hockey game when these two teams meet, but you can tell it gets his juices flowing and he enjoys playing against them. And there's a reason why from the time I started uh, covering the NHL and uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins way back in 2006, I believe I, I started calling the Penguins Flyers matchup cross state hate. Uh, and I know that the flair, the players kind of get sucked into that as well, but I think there's also a mutual respect there too. They know, that you like it better when both teams are you know doing really well but at the same time no matter what it's still entertaining it gets to be a little contentious the uh, fists fly sometimes and we've had a lot of fun catching up with past and former um, flyers and penguins over the years talking about this but Sid Sid seems to love playing them and I think Gino does too Uh, he had some talk one time about being uh, a bucket of popcorn thrown on him on the bench in Philadelphia. And he was laughing about it. So they have a lot of fun with this matchup. And I think they, they, it gets their juices flowing. Yeah. When they retire, there'll definitely be vivid memories of the matchups uh, against, you know, these two teams, you know, I was th- thinking about this, Brian, 
there's not a lot of Flyers players that are going to be in the lineup this afternoon that have any history with this Penguins rivalry because yeah. they're so injured. I mean, you got Konechny, Lawton, uh, JVR, Sean Couturier, all out. Cam Atkinson's out and Wade Allison as well, but they're more recent Flyers. But that consistency of kind of Crosby and Giroux, you know, with the Flyers is is out the window with, with G gone in Ottawa. So it's a little different, but... Um, let me ask you about Jeff Carter, because obviously yep. he spent the first, was drafted by the Flyers, spent the first part of his career here, eventually traded to Columbus, and then he made his way uh, out there with Mike Richards to Los Angeles, won a couple cups along the way. And, you know, I'm amazed that he can still play. And he was always a good skater and a great, great shooter and scorer, that, that wrist shot. I don't know that I've ever seen him take a slap shot, to be honest with you. But <laughs> how is he looking this year? Because... I mean, he's back in that 03 draft. It's amazing. He's still going as strong as he is. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny when you see the players from 03 because what a wonderful draft it was. It's it's oh. kind of like it's easier to count the couple of players that didn't make it out of the first round there than the yeah. ones who did because there are some Hall of Fame players in the in in that draft. But Jeff Carter, probably among them. Um, he, he What's funny to me is obviously when he was younger, there were all those crazy things about, oh, he's too wild off the ice and there was stupid stuff going on. I will tell you, he is one of the most locked in and all business guys you run into now. He, he's clearly matured to a level that people always hoped he would. And maybe that happened just when he went out and became a leader and won Stanley Cups and did all those kinds of things. But he has been a um, immediately accepted into the leadership group in Pittsburgh. He and which is kind of surreal when you think about it, because of what you just pointed to being yeah. a Flyers draft pick. And they had such epic battles between Sidney Crosby of Genny Malkin and Carter and Richards, uh, all in the, in the early stages of their careers. And you get to the point now where Gino Malkin celebrating his 1000th game played in the NHL. And one of the guys there celebrating with them is Jeff Carter. That's still kind of weird to get your head around. Surreal, right? Yeah, it really is. And, and the fact that it doesn't, this will, this will probably answer it best for you, Jay. It, when you look at Carter, it's almost like you don't realize he wasn't here all the time. Yeah. He's fit in that well. And he's played very, very well. He, every once in a while, I mean, he's an older guy. You have a game where maybe you don't notice Jeff Carter, but he just had a couple of great shorthanded opportunities in recent games. He shows that speed still probably not going to do it shift in and shift out, but he has been such a good influence on some younger players here. Last season, he took Hesperi Kapanen under his wing, uh, probably, would have wished they got some better results out of that mentor uh, ship. But then two years ago, it was um, McCann before he left in the expansion draft. He was, he, he really, I mean, Carter turned him into an excellent player down the stretch. He was doing things two way. He was scoring and I wasn't shocked to see him have a pretty effective year with the Kraken when he got there. Then I think some of that came from Jeff Carter. So the off the ice stuff and the intangibles have been huge with him, but then the on ice stuff is still a, a factor. He can kill penalties. He can go out there and get you some scoring opportunities. He had a, a really pretty goal earlier this season where he picked the far post. I think it was against Vancouver. And this is just stuff that you don't expect a player of his age to do. And, you know, it's not, it's one thing to say Mark Andre Fleury is still hanging around from 03 because goaltenders tend to hang around a little bit longer and can play at a higher level later in their, in their careers. But Jeff Carter is proving that a, a forward or a player out of goal can do that as well. He's, he's been really good in his tenure as a Pittsburgh Penguin. It seems like an eternity since Richards has retired and I know. Karts, Karts is still going. It's amazing. He's, he's a, I always thought in dealing with him off the ice, he was a really good guy. But as soon as I stuck a microphone in front of his face, 
He was like, I'm going to give you the shittiest interview. So you don't ask me to do this all twice <laughs> interview again. <laughs> he's grown in that way. You know what? That's because I've heard that. And there yeah. were people that said that he, he's grown. He, he's done some really nice interviews and his first sit down with the Pittsburgh media was actually really entertaining. And maybe that's another thing that just came with age. Sure. He doesn't, he doesn't yeah. mind it as much now. I'm not saying he loves it, but he, he doesn't mind. And, and there was a thing where they showed him eating Welch's uh, fruit snacks uh, on like about in the, the Penguins in the room show recently, like when he first got here, fans were mailing him Welch's fruit snacks uh-huh. uh, because they, they fell for him so hard here in Pittsburgh, which was kind of cool. Yeah. He seeing the family man that he is now and father, it's awesome to see. It's just kind of the arc of a, an yeah. NHL career. They come in as these kids and then all of a sudden, same thing with Giroux, you know, he came in as this kid and wide eyed and, and now married with a couple of kids and all their perspectives changes. <laughs> and it's just fantastic to see. They grow before uh, our eyes. Yeah, right. Um, Malkin just uh, got his uh, 1,000th game. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, in the offseason, there was a lot of, you know, do do they resign him? What do they do? And it went, I mean, it went right down to the deadline, Mets. I mean, you look at it and Hexy gets it done and he's going to, I assume he's going to retire a Penguin. Is, is it Crosby going to retire a Penguin along with Malkin and Latang? I think that the plan when the Fenway group came in as the owners of this team, what they wanted was to have Sidney Crosby remain a penguin for the duration of his career. And then I think not that Sid's somebody that goes out and says, this is what I want, but they know that trio was kind of locked at the hip. I mean, it is so rare for superstar hall of fame type players to spend their entire career with one team. It just doesn't happen, especially in a salary salary cap world. It's all nearly impossible. Yeah. So, excuse me. So kudos to the Penguins for making that happen. Um, how they found a way to fit it all in, plus still sign Brian Rust. Ricard Raquel was just masterful cap management in the offseason. Now, is that the best course of action for this team? That's yet to be told. Now, that said, I think all three of those guys likely, assuming one of them doesn't ask out at some point, which I don't foresee happening, will end up retiring as Pittsburgh Penguins. So the priority would have been have Sid retire a Penguin, and then uh, they clearly had a, a high opinion of wanting to keep Chris Letang because they got that one done sooner. And then the Gino one, they kind of, I don't know. I heard differing stories on this. They wanted him to take a little bit less. I mean, really all guys took less in their contracts, but they wanted him to even take a little bit more, um, a little bit lesser in terms of years and money. And they finally found a sweet spot and made it work. So I think all three will skate together over the next three years, at least. And then they'll see where the chips may fall. If one of them wants to, I mean, Sid, I think we'll end up signing one year deals after that. Potentially he kind of has made mention two different ways. At one point it was, I'm just going to take this contract until it's end. And then we'll see where we are. Then all of a sudden the hockey news, uh, somebody local, I can't remember who it was and another, Oh, Elliot Friedman, when he interviewed him, all three of those outlets got Sid to say, well, I want to play for a long, long time. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, he if, Among all of them, I think if you were going to rate it, Sid and Latang have the body structure and the training regimen to play maybe into their 40s. Gino, with the injuries he's had, the lower body stuff, maybe he can't. But then again, he's he's caught a little bit of youthful lightning in a bottle this year and looked pretty darn good. He's moving better than he has in several years. His lower body's finally healthy. But to your point originally on your question, I think Sid retires a Penguin, and I think the other two eventually do as well. Um, let me ask you this, because in Philadelphia, <laughs> we're, like I said, we're you know thinking about Bedard because they're in this situation. They're riding an eight-game losing skid right now. They got tons of people out and people out long-term that are really important to the club, and they lack high-end talent. 
But as a guy that's been in Pittsburgh for the entirety of Sidney Crosby's career, let, let me ask you what the impact of the generational player has been, not on the ice, but to the fan base. I, I, I always say that if you draft a player like Sidney Crosby, or if you draft Connor Bedard this year, or you drafted yeah. Connor McDavid, your team, hockey team, goes from page three on the back of the newspaper to the front page. And it's been that way, I would imagine, Brian, since the day they drafted him. He yep. is front page news. The team is front page news. Everybody makes more money because there's more interest because of the presence of a generational player. And not only has he been a generational player, but he's a generational player that delivered. So what's what's been the impact on the market? And if the Flyers were to get lucky and draft a Connor Bedard, what could they expect? Um, you're spot on. I mean, it, it made a huge impact here at the time of Sidney Crosby's drafting. Everybody was talking about the Penguins moving to Kansas City. Um, it was merit to the point where Mario Lemieux and a contingent of the Penguins ownership group flew to KC and looked at the arena just to kind of grease the wheels a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say the moment that anybody anticipated the Penguins would even have a chance at Sid, people were going hog wild here and that helped. But the moment this pick happened, they said the phones rang off the hook at the Penguins ticketing offices because they people wanted to renew season tickets. They wanted to buy season tickets. Then that offseason, if you recall, I know the Penguins had a really wretched year for Sid's rookie season, but you were still going to have Mario Lemieux. They went out and signed all these big names. Sergey Gonchar came in. They ended up signing John LeClaire, Lyle Odeline, uh, Ziggy Palfi. They, they just tried to put this superstar group together around Sid, and people were really, really excited, mainly because of Sid. And um, they, they sold out almost immediately. There were a lot of tickets sold just based on that, and it was that way all the way through just the, the pandemic, essentially. I mean, people came out nightly to watch Sidney Crosby and his gang of merry men do what they do. And so I think that was huge. The Kansas City talk went away. You ended up getting a new building out of it just – which is crazy. So we were lucky because you had generational talents in Mario Lemieux, who first of all saved the team back when he was drafted as a young player because they were in chapter 11 bankruptcy way back then. Yeah, that Snyder what, actually helped them out of that. Yeah, which is crazy enough. when you think yeah. about it. So so that helped getting Mario and that sold tickets. So there were still lean times. Then Yager comes uh, and then you get Sidney Crosby. There were only a few years in which one of those three guys wasn't in a Penguins jersey, you know, over since 84 all the way up through now. So wow. we, we've been so lucky. So Mario saved the team as a player. He saved it as an owner. Sid came in with Mario, saved the team from moving, gets a new building, sells a tons of or a ton of tickets, wins a couple cups, uh, three cups. And that has really helped. So, yeah, to your point, if you can get a Connor Bedard and he lives up to the hype, I think that would be. Um, it's almost like the golden goose laying an egg for your franchise when you get a player like that. And I, this will make you laugh. When the Penguins went through the wretched losing stretch recently, I was kind of spinning it as, I didn't say this on air, but I'm like, at this point, let the Penguins lose out. They will have a chance at Connor Bedard. Oh, geez, and then whenever right. they draft Connor Bedard, the world will burn. And I just yeah. thought it would be funny to watch everybody melt down if the Penguins got, got Bedard. Yeah. Oh my God. Fire fans will freak out. <laughs> it's fixed. Batman gave them to him. Well, that's the thing in the NHL or really in any sports, especially sports that have a lottery like the NBA and the NHL. It's not that you stink. You're going to stink at some point. You have to go through some sort of rebuild, but it's when you stink and you get lottery luck. Like the Flyers got lottery luck in 2017, but they draft Nolan Patrick. Yeah. 
you know, the worst team in the league that year was the Colorado Avalanche by 40 standings points to the second worst team. They were rip shit pissed off when they landed fourth in that draft. They drafted Kel McCarr. <laughs> you it know, worked out pretty well for them. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, had they drafted number one or number two, they probably would have taken Heischer or Nolan Patrick. Yep. And it's a whole different story. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing. There's a little luck involved. And um, the, the effect on the market, though, I think is so pronounced. It really is. Um, you know, the Penguins this year, I said this on Flyers Daily, that uh, the Penguins kind of from a performance standpoint or results standpoint have been up and down like a toilet seat. They got off to a really good start. Then they had that skid, like you mentioned, and now they're getting it back together again. And I know at some point during that skid, there was some chatter out there. Should the Penguins move on from Mike Sullivan, which I thought was way premature. Um, and he's got a relationship, worked with John Tortorella, and there's certainly similarities in their approach. You know, sometimes you learn things from a, a guy that you worked under or worked with. And uh, I think Sully is in that position as well. Uh, but I would imagine that his position as the head coach there should be very safe with with ownership. Oh, yeah. And I think it's even more so with the new owners because the FSG people, um, I don't know if it's because they're Boston based and he's a fiery uh, Massachusetts guy or what it is, but he kind of worked himself in with them. They gave him the contract extension uh, in the off season. And I, I think he's pretty much locked in. I mean, and this is kind of jive to talk about, but I, I feel like they would make a change at the GM position before they fire Sullivan at this, at this point, just mm -hmm. because of the success that he's had and some of the things he's been able to do. He just always has that even kill approach and he does a great job for them. Now, here's the interesting thing though. There's no hiding the fact that he has not won a playoff series since he won the first nine of his tenure as a Penguins head coach. He won, he won his first four, won the cup, won his next four, won the cup. They ended up finding a way to uh, win the round one against the Flyers, and then they went out unceremoniously to the Washington Capitals. And some people believe that if the Penguins could have beaten the Capitals that year, they may have gone on to a third consecutive cup, even though their goaltending dipped a little. But since first round exits against the, the Islanders, Montreal and the return to play kind of left a bad taste in people's mouths and so on and so on, you know, the, the rest is history. So when you look at it this year, I, the chatter might come back up if they don't find a way to win more than a playoff round or to win a playoff round this year. I think that's step one, but the Penguins are always a team. If they can get past round one, you never know what's going to happen. They could shock the world and win another cup with this older group. So um, but it's getting out of that round one. And a coach is always under the microscope when you don't have playoff success, especially in a market like Pittsburgh. And I mean, you, you guys are in this boat too in Philly. That playoff revenue is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's it's when you get that, it, it allows you to do more. It allows you to stay viable with your cap. It keeps you in the, in the black. Um, and you don't you pay your players during the playoffs? No, yeah. And you know, what's <laughs> funny is – they're also coming out all the whole league is coming out of years where you had empty buildings hosting these yeah. games. So you didn't get that revenue. I mean, to the point where you're making tough decisions on your broadcast team and your, you know, front office staff, you're cutting people loose. Maybe you had two people doing something before and you cut a guy loose uh, and down to one. And maybe if you got a playoff game or two or three, you could have kept that person. So, I mean, they say in Pittsburgh, they make roughly a million dollars for each home gate. So I feel like even in this day and age, it might even be more. So it's very important. And I think that will be something that could change the thinking on Sully a little, but for right now, he's locked himself in pretty effectively with new, new ownership and uh, the people here love him. The legacy of a player, you know, that plays for organization then works their way either behind the bench or into management. 
is always an interesting thing to me because we had it a lot here in Philadelphia. You have it there too with Lemieux going from, you know, the great player that he was, winning a couple of cups and then in the early nineties and then moving into to ownership. And here we had, you know, Bob Clark who won two cups and then mm-hmm. moved into general manager and left and came back and Paul Holmgren and you know, and Ron Hextall was one of those guys, a beloved player here because of the fire in which he played the game. And, you know, he comes in as the GM after spending those years as his assistant GM out in L.A. with that patient approach of building through the draft. And, you know, the, as legend goes, he told Ed Snyder, Ed Snyder said, what do you need from me? And he said, patience. And, you know, when you look back at his tenure here now, fans remember his tenure in Philadelphia. They look at it as being a colossal failure because of where the team is now. Uh, he's a little bit different there in Pittsburgh. I think the situation obviously is far different because you have these high end players that are up there in years, but how's Hextall perceived in that market right now? People were surprisingly, people were pretty excited about having him come in. Um, I don't know if it was just because he was a rival for, for years. And um, the fact that he and Mario had great battles and, you know, the first thing that was brought up when Ron Hextall arrived was him chasing Robbie Brown. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, he didn't one. like windmill and all of that, all of that. And I mean, that was a great moment of my younger days watching uh, the Penguins play. That playoff series was a lot of fun. And obviously, Ken Reggett is was part of that. He's he's a member of the Pittsburgh community, he owns a bar uh, right near our radio station now, as a matter yeah. of fact, Bar 31. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think Hextall was received very warmly, more than you would think for a flyer <laughs> to come in. And then on top of it, I, I was joking the other day whenever I saw him adding he keeps adding more and more flyers to the front office in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, they're infiltrating us here. What's going on here? But uh, it, it's yeah, Hoffer's out there now. Kerry Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, it, yep. and it's like the whole, his whole front office team essentially is, um, you know, Pryor's here. And I think Pryor's son's here. And yep. <laughs> it was kind of interesting, but it's, he's been warmly received. And I think people were excited to see whenever, whenever the GM announcement occurred, people were just happy that it wasn't, some also ran that was kind of like when the Penguins hired Ed Olchek to be coach, you know, they were, they were afraid that it was going to be something like that. And then they announced these two big type names. They, it was Ron Hextall, Brian Burke is going to come in and they're like, wow, this is pretty exciting stuff that um, two NHL mainstays took over. So it was not like you would think there was no hate or animus. It was, it was excitement. And I absolutely love Berkey. <laughs> he is a blast. He is a he's blast. Awesome. <laughs> it's the whole thing where he still doesn't tie his tie. Just as yeah. it, it, it's the longest, I think, <laughs> revolt against the establishment yeah. ever. <laughs> it's awesome. And he like, but it's part of his uniform, though. He has yeah. to have the untied tie. He yeah. won't. It's not like he doesn't put it on. It's got to be there. Um, it's around his neck like a be, sash. Yeah, exactly. And if you were going to be broadcasting near him during a game, it wouldn't be good because there's apparently a lot of expletives flying whenever he's watching the hockey game. I was just talking to a couple folks about that, and um, they, they sit right under his booth, and it's F this, F that, you know, going nuts, screaming at the game. So he's just as fiery as he ever was. But uh, we have we have a lot of fun with him, and he is just as entertaining as he's ever been, and now even more so because I think he – cares even less about what people think about what he says. Yeah. As you get older, that's one of the things you start, you don't give a crap about perception. You know, when I turned 50, Brian, I said, 
you know what? I'm not going to ask for things anymore. I'm just going to tell them what I want. And it's the power of persuasion. Like I'll get on an elevator and say, um, I want to go to this floor express. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and the guy in there holds the button and I go express. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone else like, you can wait. Jason's yep. here. He needs to get upstairs. Yeah. It's amazing. It, 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 how often it works too. It's like the Jedi mind trick. <laughs> well, cause no one, no one will tell you now. That's what's good. Yeah. And they're almost shocked. They're like the balls on this guy. You know, but they do it. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I love That's it. Tremendous. Um, so the Penguins come in, they ride in this four game win streak. They, they, they get three of the wins on the road. Yeah. They beat Minnesota. They beat Winnipeg. They shut them out. As a matter of fact, they beat Chicago on the road. They come home, they get the two nothing or two, one shootout win over the uh, Calgary flames who are starting to get it together a little bit. Uh, so this Penguins team coming in feeling really good against a bleeding flyers team right now. First of all, who will go in goal today for the pens? I haven't heard officially just yet. They were set to um, do, I think they, they weren't skating this morning and Mike is going to talk at some point here in the near future. And they probably will reveal that, but it wouldn't shock me if it's Tristan Jari, just because he played the last game and played effectively in the last game. There was a stretch where they went to Casey to Smith back to back recently because Jari yeah. was struggling and that kind of got him going again. So I, I would anticipate Tristan Jari will go against the Flyers today. And he's got a relationship with Carter as well. Those two have trained together um, quite a bit in the off season yeah. uh, in the past. And um, it will be Carter today for the Flyers. Felix Sandstrom went on Wednesday against uh, Washington. So we'll see that matchup. Um, you know, one of the interesting dates in hockey, Bri, is as they term it in, in hockey parlance, American Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the rule or the history says that if you're in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving, 80% of the time, yep. I think it's like 81% technically, but 81% of the time, you will be a playoff team. If you're not 81% of the time, you will not be a playoff team. Now, this is sketchy for the, the Penguins because they're actually tied in points with the, t- the last playoff team, uh-huh. but they've played one more game. Um you know, are the Penguins going to be up against it and scrape to get into the playoffs here? I, it all depends on what happens here over the next few weeks because if we've seen it over the years, Jay, where they can just reel off a 10, 12 game stretch in which they win 70, 80% of those games. If they do that, which they're kind of riding one of those heaters now after the ugly stretch at 5 1 and 1, if they keep, keep this alive and collect some points, I think that they can remain right there as a wild card and then the rest devil be devil be damned you know can you end up making a run at a division title or something i don't know that that's going to happen but they were still only single digit points behind the devils at the top of the metro so you never know uh yeah. if that's going to be able to be the case but i i think that that was important to them and it's dumb to say that they were at least right there on the doorstep of the playoffs at the american thanksgiving because of what you said it's talked about so much and I feel more comfortable with them now than I did two weeks ago when they were sure. sitting in 14th place in, in, the, in the conference and just not having a really good stretch. They looked like they were, you know, changes could be coming. We were anticipating that road trip being a mile marker where if they struggled through it, trades could happen, anything could happen. And then, you know, lucky for them, they, they ripped off the wins, looked really good against Winnipeg, and then um, found a way to win the other night too on Thanksgiving Eve. So I think with that little stretch – they kind of flipped the thinking and they bought themselves some time. And I think they probably will end up being a playoff team for the 17th straight year, which is just unheard of in this day and age as well. It's be, it'd be wow. pretty, pretty unique for Sid, Gino, Latang to play their 17th consecutive season together. 
all playoff years. And I, I should mention, it's my 17th year as well. No, no one throws me in. I don't get any accolades being with uh, Sid Gino and, and, and Latang throughout all of this, but I know I'm there. I know they, they, they appreciate my work over the years. Well, shit. I mean, <laughs> if, I, if I catch crap when they don't make the playoffs here in Philly and it's my fault, you yep. should get a little pat on the back and a stick tap at least <laughs> for, for being 17 straight playoffs. I mean, everything that goes wrong with the team, I get blamed for. <laughs> That's all fine. your fault. Yeah. As a public facing guy, um, my, my, although I violated my own policy the other day and went back and forth with somebody, but uh, my policy on social media these days is. I saw you fighting with Mark Madden recently. Well, that was last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that guy. It's what, recent what, in my what, mind. It's only last year, you know? <laughs> yeah. That guy, he's just such a troll and whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, for promotional purposes only is my, my philosophy on social it's like media. Pro wrestling. It's like pro wrestling. You just got to yeah. get out there and you're like, listen up brother. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Madden does. He just trolls the Philadelphia. And which if you were talking to him, like over a beer, you'd probably like him. Well, here's the thing. I've invited him on my show when I was doing radio still, I invited him on my show several times Yeah, and he shot it down. He wouldn't do it because he didn't have control. Mm. And I'm like, dude, that's a pussy move because if you're going to go out there and troll everybody, I invite you on my show. I'll go on your show if you want control there too, whatever. But um, he wouldn't do it, and so I, I was like, that you know, that's weak sauce right there. Uh huh. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, put it all out there and go after everybody with the same <laughs> tired crap, then yep. at least you know, answer the bell if you get the invite, and he wouldn't do it. So I don't know, whatever. I got a um, kick out of watching it all play out online. You know, it was yeah. fun. I just muted him. I don't even want to see him anymore. He's it's probably for the best. Inconsequential. Uh, yep. At, at this point, to me, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mix it up anymore. I, I don't have the energy. I like so much energy. It's insane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, today, what happens today in the game? You like the Penguins to get the dub, uh, fifth straight, and continue their hot play on over paper, a team in the Flyers yeah. that's bleeding out. I think on paper, yeah, I do. But to your point, I mean, this is the kind of game that. I wouldn't be shocked if the Flyers won um, coming off of Turkey Day and uh, Penguins. I believe they traveled there last night. I don't know for sure that I'll be in Pittsburgh. That sucks. At our, Turkey at and get station. on the plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they skated yesterday, too. They had a, a practice in Pittsburgh, gave them some time to go home and have dinner. And I think they were probably on their way. Um, but I, it wouldn't shock me if the, this is the kind of game on a big stage with a lot of eyes on it that the Penguins find a way to lose. But that said, looking at it for how they're playing compared to how the Flyers are playing right now, this is the kind of game you would anticipate Sid to go out and have like a four-point afternoon and uh, yeah. help the Penguins to a pretty solid victory. Well, Flyer fans are hoping against that. You just look at this lineup for the Flyers sure. and you go, where are you going to get it from? They're the lowest scoring team in the league at 2.5 goals per yeah. game. The amount of stress that puts on your goaltender going, if I give up three, we're likely going to lose. And – the only way we're getting over to is if we get a power play goal or a shorty or yep. some circumstance. So it all we'll depends on how they skate. I think if they, if, if the group that you have, that's guys looking to make names for themselves, et cetera, and they can come out and put the speed to work that could give the Penguins some headaches just based on what I've seen at times this year. They like so, to play at a slower pace, don't they? Yeah. Which is crazy to say, because that's not the Penguins, but yeah. they, they've had, I mean, they still can look very fast and they, they play off the rush really, really well. But I, I just feel like if the Flyers can come out and skate today, that could give them some headaches. So we'll see if I'm right about that. Yeah, th that was like the lightning in, in their cup years and before their cup years. If you force them to play at a fast pace, they didn't like they like to slow it down yep. because of all that skill 
Um, they weren't a team that was going to just, they could, they were fast, but they didn't play fast because that didn't lend to them being successful. And if you could force them into a speed, more high flying game, that was, that was the Achilles. That's what Torts did when they beat, when Columbus beat them in that first round is he just outpaced them. Yep. So that well, when this Penguins team, Jason, it goes like this. It's like they, in 16 and 17, Sullivan got them, they acquired a couple of players and they got to the point where they, they were able to skate with anybody and they yeah. beat teams with speed. Well, I think in their minds, they still think they can beat teams with speed and they can't. So when they try and play that kind of game and get into the exchanging chances and just up and down the ice, eventually a team with younger, faster players sometimes takes advantage of that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Brian, this was awesome. And it's great to see you again. I'm glad you had a good holiday. Uh, enjoy the game today. Don't enjoy it too much. We're hoping here in Philadelphia. We're hoping we have some enjoyment uh, around the holidays here. Yep. But enjoy the holiday season, man. Thanks for doing this. We'll definitely talk up the road. I appreciate your time as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. I always love when we get a chance to catch up. Glad you had a good holiday. Your meal sounded ex- outstanding. So uh, <laughs> stick tap to your Penguins fan brother-in-law. And I hope we can do this again soon. Thanks for having me on. No doubt. Brian Metzer uh, from the Penguins Radio. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Yep, take care. There he is. Uh, great stuff from him. He's always fantastic to talk to. I, I think it's important because some people may go, Dude, why are you spending so much time on the Penguins? Well, first of all, Flyers are playing the Penguins. Second of all, I think it's important to see how they're constructed and why they've had success. So I think that's an important element to discuss. So we did. Uh, get the Bet Parks app. Bet on the World Cup game today. Bet on the, uh, the Penguins-Flyers game today down at uh, Wells Fargo Center. Download the app. It's easy to use. Same clean parlays, live in-game betting, player performances, you name it. It's all there for you on the Bet Parks app. Uh, download it today. You do need to be over 21, present Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We just missed on the Broad Street boost the other night, too. We'll get another one this week coming up. Uh, also, visit Conquerville Subaru and check out the great dealership that they have there on Route 202 and Glen Mills. They have the Share of the Love event going on right now through January 3rd, where they'll donate $250 for every new car sold to a charity, uh, one and you get to pick either the ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks, or Conquerville Subaru's hometown charity, Namor's Children's Hospital of Delaware. It's a great time to visit the beautiful showroom, check out the certified pre-owned inventory, ton of it, uh, list of incoming Subaru vehicles, and much, much more. So get down there, check out the dealership, and find service department where you get a free car wash with every visit. It's Conquerville Subaru. Visit them on, online at ConquervilleSubaru.com. And again, check out the showroom of Route 202 in Glen Mills. Beautiful showroom. And remember that Conquerville cares. All right, time to uh, shower up, get the suit on, get ready to go down to Wells Fargo for Black Friday hockey between the Flyers and the Penguins. Go Team USA over England in the World Cup. I will have uh, an episode coming up on Monday of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. So enjoy your hockey this weekend. Flyers, Penguins today. Flyers, Islanders in New York coming up tomorrow. So there'll be plenty to discuss on Monday's edition. Everybody, have a great, safe weekend, and we will talk to you Monday on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. The selfish, they're all standing in line, facing and hoping to buy themselves time. Yeah.